It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolized Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to episode 98 of Two Goalies, One Mike. I am Dwayne. Uh, without Cully tonight on doubter duty, but uh, with the NHL playoffs getting underway here very shortly, we wanted to make sure that we got our NHL, our annual NHL preview show in, and we're joined by possibly one of the best-looking groups in all of hockey, producer Steve, <laughs> Ryan Drury, uh, Gatesy from Trainwreck Sports, and, of course, Greg Ballack from um, – Sportsnet 650 and in goal media boys. How are we all doing? How are we all feeling about night one of the NHL, the NHL Stanley cup playoffs? Uh, I'm looking forward to losing sleep for the next like two months. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fantastic for sure. How about you Gatesy? I mean, it's the best time of the year. I mean, unfortunately, no Sabres, you know, not in it like normal, but it's just a great time to watch some great hockey and some playoffs. Juror, how are we feeling? I feel fine. I mean, I, I don't have like the highest hopes in the world for my caps, but uh, I don't care because we won one unlike the Leafs. So we'll see if they can maybe <laughs> take themselves on some form of a journey here. It's going to be exciting. The, the first round is the best round and the matchups are awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for the uh, the obvious Tampa Bay Toronto series. And we got a lot of big news, which why we brought a uh, big goaltending news today, which was why we brought in Greg Ballack from Ingle Magazine, uh, one of our goalie gurus i guess you could say uh to come in and kind of give us some insight on what to expect from the goaltending here in round one uh greg obviously we've uh we heard down come down from um in minnesota that uh mark andre fleury fan favorite pretty much everywhere he goes will be starting game one for the minnesota wild not cam talbot uh Vili huso will be starting uh for st louis in game one not uh Benny, uh bennington benner who uh, got the big contract in the offseason. And then we see UC Saros will be out for at least the first two games of round one for Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting time of year. I love playoff time. I think the first round, like you said, is is the best round. But uh, some, some bold goaltending decisions uh, early on in the playoffs. And I, I like one of them considerably more than the other. Uh, I've, I've been a big fan of Huso for a while. I think... Uh, in St. Louis, they obviously figured out this season that uh, he, he's got some skill, and he ended up taking that starter's role away from Bennington. And 
I like the decision. I think he's been clearly their stronger goaltender this season and going into the playoffs, you got to go with the hot hand. And I think that's kind of the opposite of what they're doing in Minnesota, right? With flurry sort of limping into the playoffs, picked it up a little bit towards the end there, but uh, Talbot was considerably the better goalie between the two and to go with flurry. It's kind of hard to criticize that move considering the, the playoff success that he has had in his career. But uh, yeah, I, I think I probably would have gone with Talbot over Flurry in that uh, in that scenario. It it is pretty wild, uh, pun intended, pun intended. There, uh, <laughs> it is pretty wild that they would go with Mark Andre Flurry and not the guy who, like we said before, clearly into the show, hasn't lost a game in regulation since in March. Since March, mm-hmm. um, has been really just you know an absolute uh, you know brick wall for them for the entire season. And then nothing against Mark Andre Fleury because he was playing on a, you know, a, a team on the brink of rebuild in Chicago. Uh, and he did win the Vesna last year. So, I mean, I mean, it's not like, it's not like you're, you're the option you went to was a terrible one. It is Mark Andre mm-hmm. Fleury. The guy has three rings, um, yeah. three rings, uh, three, three rings to prove how, like how capable he is. But again, it's it's a head scratch for me because you know what does that say to Cal, Cam Talbot too, a guy who has been there you know for for a little bit now and has played very very well for especially last season. He played very well in the playoffs last year. Yeah, and I've talked about it on my show a little bit on the morning show on six fifty okay. about the the types of goalies that some of them react really well when they're being pushed from their part, goalie partner, and and I think in Talbot's case, you can clearly see that. He is being pushed quite well by Flurry, and that's sort of the reason they brought him in. And there's some goalies who don't ha- like having that pressure. They don't like having some behind them that can really push them, and, and they tend to crumble under the pressure when they have somebody really, really skilled behind them in the backup role. So, uh, if they do end up switching to Talbot in the series, I, I you know, I think it's uh, it's perfectly acceptable uh, to go with a, a Stanley Cup champion like Flurry to start the series at least. It's not the worst move in the world. No, what do you think, Drew? I, yeah, it's hard to criticize because of who Flurry is and the fact that he is coming off last year where he was the Vesna winner in one of the weirdest off-season moves I think we'll ever see. And how much is Vegas regretting that now? Not that uh, Thompson played didn't play well down the stretch for them in an extremely tough scenario, and obviously we know that Robin Leonard was ailing with uh, with you know a bad shoulder and some possible hip issues that have nagged him throughout his career. But um, yeah, I, I like Minnesota a lot. You know, I, I talked a bit about it on my show last week and they're my kind of dark horse team. I, I think that they, there's always a team that shows up that people aren't overly high on. I think people respect Minnesota and the talent that they have there. But I don't think a lot of people see them going deep. I could see them either getting bounced in the first round in six or seven by St. Louis, a team that knows what the playoffs are all about, or going to like the conference final. I, I love them as a dark horse. I laid a bit of cheddar down on them to to make the conference finals. I had them at plus 1,800. I loved that. And um, I think that if Flurry is just the flurry that we're used to seeing. They're a team that could really do some damage. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. Go on, go on, Steve. Yeah, I, I again, I can't speak from the perspective of a goaltender in any stretch of the imagination. My uh, hockey career began and ended before I was 14. Uh, 
But that said, I, I kind of feel like they're trying to do the reverse Florida of last year where uh, Sergey Bobrovsky had that horrendous three-game stretch, a 5-3-3 goals against average and an 8-4-1 save percentage, and then Spencer Knight pretty fresh into the NHL. It's like, we need you to be the guy, and literally no one else can be the guy. I would rather know that you have the insurance policy of Marc-Andre Fleury game one when there's time to uh, correct if that's not it. I, I feel like it's that situation where you want to know that you have it and not need it rather than need it and not have it. And to answer that question, game one is a lot less risky than to have to answer that question when you're down three, one going into game five or something. So I guess from like, just like a cautiously optimistic perspective, I can kind of understand what Minnesota is doing from that lens that like you want to know if Mark, if, you know, flower can, you know, live up to those playoff expectations that he's built over his career. And uh, you know, what better time to figure that out rather than game one when it's, you know, the cleanest slate you're going to possibly have, you know, and if you lose one, you lose one, you still have cam Talbot. That's not a bad thing to have, you know, a pair of Kings in your hand. That's, that's a good hand. I got a couple of pocket aces. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, <clears throat> switching over to, obviously, the, the other goaltending announcement, uh, Vili Huso going um, <clears throat> going in net for St. Louis to be, to begin uh, the NHL playoffs. Uh, a guy who really came out – I wouldn't say came out of nowhere because he had a good season last year as well. But I think, um, you know, with the struggles of Bennington this year, um, it became more apparent how good he, this kid really is. And he's a free agent next year, and he's been on my list for – you know, goaltenders I'd like Buffalo to go after in the offseason. Yours as well, Steve. But now, I mean, not, now that becomes a big question mark going into the offseason. Not that I'm trying to get ahead of myself looking that far ahead. But, you know, they just paid Bennington this big contract, and now he's not the guy going into game one of the playoffs for you. It's it's going to be Billy Huso. It's, a, uh, it's definitely an interesting spot for them to be in. Uh, I mean, I, admittedly, I have a soft spot in my heart for Minnesota more than I do St. Louis. I think that's just a little bit of residual Ryan O'Reilly pain and suffering <laughs> that is all but healed, you know, given the uh, big, you know, renaissance season that Tage Thompson yep. had. It hurts a hell of a lot less uh, knowing that he's becoming the guy that St. Louis believed he could be when they drafted him. Uh, and that's beautiful to see. But, uh, you know, that's – I mean, you know, we've seen Biddington, you know, just kind of show up out of nowhere, lead him to a cup. Incredible story. But then in the year since, he's, uh, you know, he's had a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's had some of those games where he's uh, pretending to be a lot bigger and tougher than he is, and I still don't completely understand the mentality behind all that. But, uh, you know, it's going to – it's going to – it's got to be an interesting locker room to be, to be in, at least as far as those two goaltenders are concerned. you got to wonder, you know – just uh, how much of that is friendly competition and how much of that is like, <laughs> you're about to take my job, dude. Yeah. I like my job. It's one of the best jobs in professional sports. Yeah. I want that. <laughs> I, uh, and I know me and you, uh, Greg, we were texting about it earlier today, kind of like the, the men, the, the, the mentality of the position of Jordan Bennington. And I personally believe he's really his own worst enemy. Uh, and you mentioned that you believe it actually fires the team up. So, you know, is this, I mean, his struggles this season, it, could it be, could it go back to just kind of just maybe, you know, 
how he maybe gets in his own head. You know, get me, we you see it as maybe him getting the team fired up and whatnot to play mm-hmm. better, or is it him really hurting himself by taking himself out of the game mentally? Well, if you look at the times he's done it, you know, the, the banner times where he's gone viral and freaked out, his team was down and they came back. Like, you can't really argue the fact that it fired his team up because yeah. every time he's done it, they've responded. So I, I didn't like it because of the fact that it, it, it does, it, it has to take you out of the game to put on a performance like he does half the time when he's swinging his stick. Like, as a goal, you, you can't say you can run around and do those things and still be completely focused on the game. Like, you just can't. But it keeps working for them. So I think that's why he keeps do- doing it even though he looks like a clown every time he does it. I know. And he's had a little bit of a social media presence too. Maybe not as polarizing as say like a Robin Leonard or yeah. uh, anybody else, you know, like that, but he had, you know, he has, I, I'm not going to call him a distraction. I wouldn't say he's a distraction, but like he does distract, you know, himself away from the game itself. And maybe that does hurt the team. Maybe it doesn't, but um, I think, you know, what, what is his mindset not being the guy, especially again, after getting that big contract, where you're pretty much putting all your eggs into his basket, and then he's not the guy going to the game one. You being kind of, you know, you know, being a goalie as well. What, uh, you know, you know, how does that? How would that make you feel? Or like, put yourself in his in his mindset. Like, how is he feeling right now? Well, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> I don't think any goalie wants to lose their job, right? It's uh, yeah, it's a competition at the end of the day. You are a team, and you're and you're working to both improve yourselves. It's a, it's the weirdest team in sports when you have a guy who's working to steal your job but you you do you know pull off each other like depending on what uh the part of the season is you need to you know split games with a guy like you need your goalie partner throughout the season so uh you want to be cordial and friendly but when they do something like take your job at the start of the playoffs it's it's tough it's tough it you know it tests that relationship that you have and some guys are are really really great goalie partners and you talk to some goalies and They've had really horrible like horror stories about their goalie partners over the years, right? So I can't speak personally for what Bennington's like behind the scenes. I, I've i heard he's a bit of a prickly fellow. <laughs> he's got a bit of a, a personality. But um, at the end of the day, I think he's got his contract, so he's not upset about you know not making any money or anything. He's obviously making his, his contract. And at the end of the day, you also <laughs> want to do what's best for the team, right? So you can't visibly show that you're upset about a decision like that. Um, as much as it might bug you, you know, as the other goalie, it, 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 it would bug you that the other guy gets the start, but uh, if it's best for the team, then you kind of just have to suck it up and realize it's part of the job. Yeah. I, uh, that, that's kind of like leading in the next question. Like, I really don't think he's a Mark Andre, Andre Fleury type, like goalie partner where he's gonna, he's going to support you no matter what, whether you're start you, you're starting over him or mm-hmm. he, he, you know, he's a starting net minor. I just don't, I don't see him being as that guy. And, you know, being being a UC Saros, a guy who, you know, again, had a good year last year, but, you know, this is probably the most nervous he's ever been in his entire life going into this game tonight. I'd have to imagine his nerve, like his nerves aren't on end. Like you would want a goalie partner who's going to, you know, try and, you know, calm you down and, and, you know, you know, bring you, bring you down a little bit. I just don't see Bennington being that guy. <laughs> You don't see him as a calm, uh, level-headed goalie no, partner. No, I don't. <laughs> I definitely don't. Yeah, at all. I, I do think that's factors in as well, like to, to the decision, right? Because you you are going with the goalie who was hotter throughout the season, but you have another goalie with playoff experience and a, and a Stanley Cup ring on his hand. So uh, it, it's a bold decision, like I said, on both sides. But I think from my perspective, the St. Louis decision makes a little more sense. I agree, Jerry. How, 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 what do you think? 
I agree with Greg just simply because Huso outplayed him down the stretch here and, and has really outplayed him the majority of the time where they've turned to Huso. And let's keep in mind here too, that when they won that Stanley cup in 2019, that very well could have been Ville Huso in the cage for them. The reason Bennington was the guy that they called up was because literally every goalie on their depth chart was injured including Huso, who took a shot up high in the neck area in an AHL game and couldn't be called up because of his injury status. So they literally had no choice but to turn to a guy who was basically scrambling around in the ECHL, sort of barely sniffing AHL quality. If you go back and look, Jordan Bennington's numbers when he snuck into some AHL games were not jumping off the page at people. And so they called him up essentially out of desperation and all the credit in the world to him. It was the most unbelievable turnaround, maybe in NHL history in terms of a team going from literally worst to first and winning a cup. I don't think, you know, knowing a bit about him, having watched him in the OHL when he was in Owen sound and talking to some of his former teammates from that time, he is a guy that almost needs to play angry. And as a Mm -hmm. goalie, you do wonder how much of that can weigh on you mentally a little bit when you're maybe not, you're so used to playing a certain way that when you maybe aren't able to get yourself there night after night, you wonder how much that that affects your ability to play at your highest level, right? It's, it's hard to get angry all the time. You know, the Connor McGregor's of the world, the guys that we see in athletics and sports, that are able to do that and perform being mad are, you know, that wears on guys and it wears on everybody differently. He's going to have to reset himself mentally here though, because like you said, this is an interesting dynamic, Greg, where goaltending wise, like I remember when my caps won, Holpe went in, he was not the starter. Grubauer outplayed him down the stretch. He He tripped all over himself. He, He did. Holpe had an, an awful season. I think he was a 903 save percentage at the end of that regular season. And Grubauer was clicking along at 919 and he got the start. He tripped all over himself. And then there's that famous story about Holpe going into Barry Trotz's, you know, coach's room after game two and saying, if you put me in, we'll win the series. And look what happened. He's going to have to have that type of mentality here because goaltending, while you want to be the guy and only one gets to go in, it's not exactly the same as like, F1 where your teammate is really not your teammate. If you don't outperform and outdrive your teammate, literally in the same piece of equipment that the team builds for you, you're in a lot of trouble. It's not the same thing. Goalies play differently. Huso, in my opinion, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Greg. You'd know a lot more than me. I'm not a goalie expert. He strikes me as a guy that's just a lot more calm and quiet back there. Mechanically, he's very tight, tracks the puck. Well, Bennington, approaches things very differently he's an aggressive goalie he plays angry and when he's not able to get himself into that ron hextall-esque zone i'll say another guy who played angry his whole career um he falters but he's gonna have to reset here and be a good teammate and figure out a way to do that yeah i uh couldn't agree with you more um I uh, I just I just don't see I just don't see Bennington being a guy that's just again as I mentioned before is going to really uh, support 
uh, UC Saro, uh, not sorry, UC Saro. So that's that's the next guy we're talking about. Um, Billy, uh, Billy Huso. They are and, connected though. Those two guys. It's funny you should mix them up. Yeah, I, I, I they I, came I, up I, at the I, same I, time. Yeah, I, you know, and again, I've 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 been watching. I, well, producer Steve's the one who really uh, kind of made me catch on and really start paying attention to Billy Huso uh, a couple months back. He goes, you know, this guy is going to be UFA. Buffalo is going to need a goaltender, and we still question whether or not Ukupekalukanen is the guy. And now he's hurt again. I don't know if you've seen that, Greg, okay. but uh, the guy is absolute class. Has you know has not been able to stay healthy for Buffalo. Already has double hip surgery at his age, multiple lower body injuries, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> just a step away from the playoffs for a second. Go with Buffalo. I, I I tweeted out yesterday, and I got very mixed reviews. I said I think Buffalo should move on from him. Like I don't think he should be automatically one of the two guys in in in, in the conversation as your two nutminders for Buffalo next year. And in actually, I think Kevin Adams should be exploring possibly bringing in two goaltenders next year because I just don't see him being a guy who can be depended on to play, you know, 30 games, let alone 50 plus. Yeah. I, I wasn't super high on Luconan when he was drafted. I, uh, I saw him at a bit of a, as a boom or bust sort of selection where the ceiling is so high. You, you, you watch him play and you can clearly see the athleticism you know, he has, there. yeah, he has the skills. He has pretty much seemingly everything. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a, there's a few issues in his game that uh, made it seem like taking the next jump were going to be a challenge for him, mainly tracking the puck. He hasn't really shown that he can do that at an elite level quite yet in his career. Uh, and yeah, and you mentioned his injury status. He he doesn't seem to be able to stay on the ice, which is the big thing. You know, as a goalie who's coming up in the system, you want to just soak up games. Like that's your goal is to just mm-hmm. play as many games as you possibly can. And he hasn't been able to do that. And I think that's really stunted his progression. And I, I don't necessarily think they need to move on from him. You know, I think you can keep him in the system, hope that he still can pan out, maybe give him a little bit of attention. But uh, they, they should definitely be looking for someone to be the future of the franchise because I've said it for almost a decade, it feels like now. But this this rebuild for Buffalo will never start to take shape until they figure out what's going on in, in their in their goaltending position, because that's the thing that's holding you guys back. It's honestly the the biggest thing that Buffalo needs. Not necessarily somebody who's a, a star right now, but somebody that you can look at and say, okay, there, there's our goalie of the future. We don't have to worry about it anymore. And, and you don't have that guy yet. No, we don't. And I, you know, Gates, we've talked a lot about UPL on uh, two goalies on Mike and crossing swords in the past. And, you know, you being a goalie as well, you know, do you, do you see him as a guy who, when healthy could be the answer for Buffalo and that, or even when he's healthy, do you think he's too inconsistent? I mean, it's weird because you watch him in, in Rochester in the AHL and grant they play different systems, but it's been very, very hit or miss in those games. But mm-hmm. that little stint he had in Buffalo, he's very calm, like very, he's a very smooth goaltender. I mean, compared to like Tokarski and, you know, which is just the complete polar opposite. It's, it was really nice to see uh, Lukanen come up and just be a very calming presence because, that's what that Sabres team needed. And that's, it was really the kind of the start of the Sabres turning their season around was yeah. with Conan coming in, being there, making saves. And then the team just kind of built around that and went on that run. Even, even Darlene said it when, when Luke and UPL did come up, he goes, it's good to have a, a guy back there that you can depend on. And, you know, they showed him a, showed a, 
uh, a small clip, a short clip of him, you know, tapping him on the pads as the rush was going up the other end. After he made a big save, he goes, "It does make a difference, doesn't it, Greg? When you have with the way a team plays in front of in front of their goaltender, when they know they can depend on him." Mm-hmm. Well, you've seen it with the uh, when the e bug came in the other day with Dallas, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you oh, play a God. different way when there's somebody in the net that you don't trust. Yeah. And well, I think there's a big not... difference between between you know a Dustakarski or a <laughs> what was it? Uh, what was his Hodges? name? Yeah, t- uh, t- was it Tommy Hodges? Tom Hodges, yeah. Tommy okay, Hodges, yeah, different. you know, which a dream come true. Good for that guy, you know, even though they lost. But still, he made a couple saves in the National, and, you know, he lived out a dream. Granted, uh, they didn't have time to get his name on the back of the jersey like they did David Ayers. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> man, uh, you know, I actually was hoping and praying that, uh, you know, you know, to go off the topic again for a second, I was hoping and praying that Toronto would actually get Carolina somehow in the first round so they could get them out <laughs> and that Freddie Anderson would be healthy just so the how poetic would that have been if Freddie Anderson was have been the guy to beat Toronto in the first round? Yeah, and especially like when, when they let Anderson go in Toronto, I, I thought he was still their best option. I thought yeah, I thought the best way to fix their goaltending was to fix Frederick Anderson. That was the easiest path to goaltending success for the Leafs. And they just cast him off instead. And look, look what he's done in Carolina. Like, yeah, goalies just don't lose their goaltending skill overnight, no. especially when they're in that part of their career that Anderson is. It just doesn't yeah. happen. You know, I, I liked I liked Freddie myself as well. I thought he got a raw deal in Toronto, and especially with how tough that media, you know, media is in Toronto. There, man, they 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 don't pull any punches. And uh, I thought he got a raw deal for sure in Toronto. Well, he had a, he had a big issue, which was the five hole goals. In Toronto. Yep, yep. And and he, he used to, I say this because he doesn't do it anymore, thank God, but he used to chop off the top of his pads. He would literally take a hacksaw what? to the thigh rise and then I re-sew it. And, and no way. The, yeah, and then the numbers came out that he had allowed the most five-hole goals in the entire league. And I guess he's decided to walk that back a bit. And well, yeah. for good reason. <laughs> you ever heard of that? No, he must be wearing like a 32 minus one then. <laughs> That's wild, like man. That. Wow, I never knew that. <laughs> he thought I, he moved I, better. I, he thought he moved better with the, the shorter pad. That's fair. I, guess. I mean, why he didn't just order a custom in that size, I don't know, but he preferred to. Yeah. With that <laughs> money, I mean, with the money you make in the National, I mean, you get your equipment for free, essentially. Why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. get something custom made that you can still move move quick enough the way you want to, but still don't give up anything. <laughs> so uh, instead of telling your goalie to just stop doing that, they decided to trade yeah. him and bring in the Jack Campbell experience instead. Well, we are talking about the weirdest people on earth in goaltenders, right? Like, I mean, let uh, you know, think back to like Arters Urbe, who had the same pads literally his entire career from the time he was 19 till he retired. And like they would get all ripped up and he would like be on the plane. Jeff O'Neill used to talk about it, that run that Carolina went on when they got bounced by the Red Wings. He'd be on the plane, like, sewing his pads with his mom's sewing kit. And, like, he was like, dude, Archie, can you just, like, order one set, one new piece of equipment? He's like, no, I like to sew it. Like, just the weirdest thing, man. Like, so Ed Balfour used to do that thing where he'd, like, run skate laces up through his pads onto his chest protector because he felt like when he stood up, it made him look it made them look bigger. Like, you know, they've been doing weird <laughs> stuff like that. And there's, ever. and there's goalies. that have just a complete lack of awareness of their equipment too. Like Steve Mason yeah. was wearing a medium, medium chest protector for the first like three years of his career. Who until was? someone was like, hey, dude, 
you could win you could wear large and take up like three times more net and he's like oh really <laughs> i didn't Is even know who, i was wearing a medium <laughs> who was who was it who was the guy who was the goalie that wore the, like the giant was it garth snow that wore yeah. the giant yeah caught wearing like the, the giant X, X, XL yeah oh, i remember yeah. there was i forget who it was there's a there's a picture online when he was with the flyers i forget who he was sitting next to against the boards they were just kind of stretching out and just the difference in chest protector size and these, there isn't a big discrepancy in their size and height, but the discrepancy in, in, in size in their chesties were was just enormous. Yeah, it's uh, gotten better now with the with the restrictions, yeah. but uh, you still see some pictures now where you're like, "Ooh, that guy looks bulky." Like, <laughs> yeah, Vasilevsky right? picture last year. Oh, yeah. Price's hand was something um, like that. I uh, yeah, I made I made the I made the switch to Warrior uh, about a year and a half ago for my pads, and man, I'll never go back. Just. Just the advancement, the worry, you know, how far warriors come with their goaltending equipment, man. It's 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 really something to see. And if my if you play beer league, it's it's some of the best quality stuff you can you can get right now for. Oh yeah, I mean, I love it. I love it. Beer league or whatever, I don't care. It's it's great. Like my rebounds are just so many more rebounds are going to the corner. My five hole coverage is great. Like, um, you know, just uh. I'm stopping a couple more pucks than I used to. It still doesn't say much for me, but so one instead of zero. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, switching over to Nashville, uh, you know, Saros uh, out for one to two games, leaving David Riddick to be the guy between the pipes for Nashville uh, for games one and two uh, Riddick, you know, again, uh, came up big for them against the avalanche winning in a shootout when he went in to replace Saros. But as a six and three record with an eight eighty six save percentage and three fifty seven goals against, again, you know, David has been kind of like a suitcase a little bit in the NHL. Uh, has 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 been a starter here and there, but mostly just an, a backup level goaltender. Can he be a guy to really, uh, you know, you know, maybe come out of this, you know, one and one? I think that's the best Nashville can really hope for, uh, you know, in these first two games. Uh, I don't know what, how you guys feel. I just uh, I think that's a huge blow for the Predators uh, going in going into the first round of the playoffs, losing their starter for the first two games. Yeah, I mean it was already going to be an uphill battle when you're going up against the uh, the clear, with the exception of Calgary, the clear and obvious favorite in the Western Conference. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in the absence of what everybody thought was going to be the favorite at the beginning of the season, which was the Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> It's Colorado. It's Colorado's conference to lose is basically the way I see it. They're just too strong top to bottom that, you know, I, that I can't, you know, that, you know, Nashville already had the work cut out for them. And now that they're relying on a guy in his 17 starts this year with an eight, eight, six save percentage, that is a tall order. And, uh, you know, not only will Riddick have to stand on his head, but uh, Roman Yossi is going to be putting in some work. Yep, some big work. Yossi uh, with a phenomenal season, man. I think I oh think if, if, if Calgary, and I'm sorry, Carrie, if Nashville can can make a run here for the Cup, I think he's going to be like a, a a big favorite in my opinion for the uh, for the Con Smythe. What a season he had! Well, yeah. If they go that far, he's going to have to be. <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to yeah. have to stand on it. He's going to have to. Be the best player on the ice every night, hands down. But yeah, it's it's going to be an uphill challenge for Nashville, regardless of who's in net. And I think uh, I don't think Riddish is going to have a lot of success simply because of the environment, not because of how he plays. Uh, it's just too tough of a situation to go against Colorado. Uh, 
in in that kind of series in a short series like that and the fact uh you know every, every year uh, there, there's a stat i like to look at goal saved above average uh, which basically just takes save percentage and, and tells you how much better or worse you were than a league average goalie and gives you like a raw goal number of how many goals you've saved your team or cost your team depending on how good or bad you've been and the teams that are always at the top of that list i, I going into playoff time i don't have as much confidence in because it means they rely on their goalie a lot if they're on the yep. top of that list. And Nashville of the playoff teams is fourth because UC Saros has the fourth best goal saved above average out of the playoff goaltenders. Who's first? Yeah, but the first one is the, the guy everyone's talking for MVP, which is just Yurkin. Yeah, which is why I don't have a ton of confidence in the New York Rangers. And the reason I say that is because not because... I expect the goalie to be bad. I expect them to whatever. It's just because in a short series like that, the fact that you rely on your goalie so much, if that goalie doesn't have a grade A performance, that's going to have a major impact on your success, whether you win or lose that game because you rely on the goalie so heavily. So it's kind of the kiss of death in my eyes. Yes, you have a great goalie, but when you start playing really, really good playoff teams and it comes down to it, you can't be the team that just constantly relies on your goalie because no goalie in the world is going to be able to just win you an entire series or take you all the way to the Stanley cup. It's just, it's too, too difficult. And teams that are more in the middle of the pack are the ones that I see as the, okay, these teams are, even if their goalie has a poor game, they're still going to have a chance to win the game. So that's why, when I look at this Nashville Colorado series, they rely on Starro so much and Riddish just, no offense to him, but he's he's not used to Saros, and I just don't see it happening. But now that I've said that, Riddick is going to steal the show and, and completely win the series. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I think they I think they just got to hope for him to go one and one in these two the expected two games that that they, yeah. that Saros is going to miss. And I think mm. I think Nashville will chalk that up as a winner. I right, drew. I yeah, <laughs> you would you would have to say they'd be ecstatic. They'd probably sign up for that right now secretly if you ask the management right like to get out of that against a team like the one they're facing at 1-1 with your starter like greg said that they rely so heavily on to keep them in games yeah i think that they would probably sign up for that and honestly i think that that's probably about the best you could hope for now it's the playoffs and we're talking about paper things and you know that's why they play the games. Weird things happen. Hockey's mm-hmm. hockey, in my opinion, is the hardest of the big four sports to predict outcomes in. It, it just is the most just random. Due to the, for sure. It is the most yeah. random just due to the nature of the game. Like a few years ago, who the hell and congrats. If you did, you probably made good money on it. Who the hell took Columbus sweeping Tampa? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just weird garbage happens where you're just like, well, that, you know, that that type of stuff doesn't happen in like the NBA. Very rare that lower seeds, lower seeds are horrible, have horrible playoff records in the NBA generally, especially if they manage to get out of the first round. Football, same deal. Generally, the higher seeds win. It could come down to a bounce or two in overtime, but not the same randomness that hockey has. So I think it's about as good as they could hope for to maybe steal one in like overtime off someone's ass against Colorado. I think that's about as good as it could get. Yeah, I agree. I uh and that Colorado team is so good top to bottom. I mean, is this is this a, this is a maker like it has to be cuz 
they have a lot. They have a lot to do in the offseason. You have Nazem Kadri is going to be a guy that's going to expect to get paid. He's been had an MVP like season, and I got. I think he's a guy that hasn't been talked about enough in terms of the Hart Trophy uh, for most of the season. Um, just the breakout year he had with Colorado. Um, you know, that's a team. Is this like a make or break season for them? Like they do they? they it's is it Stanley Cup or bust for them? I mean. I, mean, I think so. Cap friendly, yeah. Like half their forwards have deals up at the end of this season. Uh, not just Kadri, but Burakovsky, uh, Nichushkin, you know, some of their more depth guys. Uh, but then, you know, uh, Darcy Kemper is also on the trading block, too. Like, you know, they got a lot of money, you know, they got a lot of decisions they got to make in the offseason, and their performance in the playoffs is going to it's going to move that needle in some very specific directions uh, that if this is not the top to bottom depth team that you think it is, if they don't go as far as, you know, expectations would suggest we could be looking at a very different Colorado team, which, you know, I mean, five years ago, like Colorado was a pretty underwhelming franchise and they completely turned things around. And now they've been in the conversation for the better, you know, for the better part of these five years, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, well, yeah, of course, Colorado's going to be in it. Like, what are you talking about? Are you five? Is this the first time you've watched the sport? They're amazing. But you wouldn't have said that, like, at the time that, like, Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel were getting drafted. It's like, yeah, you know, they they got some good stuff going on. But so I think it'll be a quick retool, though, if they do need to rejig their lineup because they have so much good young talent. Newhook, Byram, like, their decor is still phenomenal for it's going to be for years to come. So I don't, I don't think they're going to ever, I don't think they're going to fully exit this window. Like it's a weird scenario that they're in based on their lineup right now. I know they just traded Jost, who was kind of another one of those young core guys, but I, I still think they have a good young lineup, even though they'll be missing a few of the other key guys. I'm excited to see Kemper play as well. I thought it was yeah. a great acquisition by them. And he, he kind of started off a little slow for the avalanche, but I'd say in the past yeah. month or two, he's really found his game and kind of been the backbone for them. And that they're going to need him to go on this big run that they're expecting to go on. Un- under the radar, sort of end of the season for, yeah. for Kemper. Yeah, it's been massive. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I was a big. I've always been a big Darcy Kemper fan, even uh, with his days in Minnesota. Um, it was a guy I always wanted to see in a Buffalo jersey. Um, so to see him go to uh, Colorado and play well, I like. You know, I, I really, I really want to see him perform well and get himself a, a big deal in Colorado because he's a guy I've always liked and I think deserves, uh, you know, to, uh, <clears throat> you know, have a home somewhere for multiple years. And I think he, he, he is and will be a good fit for a while in Colorado. Easy to root for WHL guy, you know? Yep. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Um, you know, uh, switching over to the Rangers Penguins uh, series, which um, you know could go either way. You have a team in 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 Pittsburgh that you know is aging. You know their time is running out. I guess you could say in terms of really trying to make one last run at it. Um, you know, goaltending has been an on and off issue there for all, all season. Uh, do you think that Sid the Kid and Vigeni uh, Malkin, Latang still have enough to get this job done for one more last one more final cup run or? Do you think their time is, you know, pretty much run out? I don't think you ever bet against Sid. I think we've all come to learn that over the last little while. Uh, you, you don't really rule out what he can do, and and I think come playoff time is when he shows his best stuff. Uh, Malkin, another guy, now that he's healthy again, 
uh, we saw it this season, still an unbelievable talent. I, it's, you can't, you can't say that Pittsburgh doesn't have a chance when you have those guys on the roster. And that's, that's what having a player like that on your roster does, right? You're just, mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the scenario is or what the rest of your roster really even looks like. It's going to be like that with McDavid and, and Drysaddle over the years. It's the same thing with Crosby and Malkin. They're going to have a decent team regardless of <laughs> all that stuff, just because they're on it. Um, but for me, it, again, it comes down to the goaltending in that series, right? With Jari out with the, with his foot injury, he's another guy that's high on that goal saved above average list. They relied on mm-hmm. Jari quite a bit this year. He had a really, really good season up until when he got hurt. So it's a bit of a drop off to Casey to Smith. You can't rule that out that it's, it's a bit of a downgrade when you go to him. I know everyone likes to look at the, the playoff that Jari had last year, but I, I don't. I think that was just a blip on the radar. I think he's a key key member of this Penguins team, and the fact that he's out is huge. And then you have the Rangers team on the other side that also really really relies on their goalie. The number one goalie for goal save above average was Shesterkin, mm-hmm. and you have the analytics people saying that hey, this team might not be as good as as their record shows because Shesterkin has an off game, and there you go. It's uh, it, it could all go away. And I did, does, does Pittsburgh have any good scores on their side? Last I checked, I. I think they do, right? Uh, <laughs> I think they can put up some numbers. They definitely, they definitely do. Um, <laughs> is I, I haven't, I haven't read anything. I know he was skating. Is um, you know, transitioning away from that series for a second, or actually no, with that series. Um, no, I'm sorry, away from that series. Uh, is Ovi expected to uh, be ready for Game One? Because I know he was skating, but he uh, he missed the last few games. Yeah, they the confirmed today he's going to play. He is going to play okay. The last game, I remember the coach said if the playoffs started today, he still wouldn't be in, which was kind of surprising. But I guess he must have healed up the last couple of days. <laughs> yeah, like they, uh, Tarek El Bashir, that covers them for the athletic, uh, basically the guys kind of told him the three games he missed, if they were playoff games, he would have played reduced minutes probably, but he right. would have played. So he is going to play tomorrow. He, he's playing. He's the Russian machine. He does yeah. not break. <laughs> I uh, he's a yes. guy that stayed healthy most of his career too, man. Like he doesn't get hurt, and uh, not really. Yeah, he he's. I think he's missed a total of twelve games, maybe thirteen, due to actual injury, the bumps and bruises and the like. Yeah, he uh, the majority of the games he's missed in his career have been completely not his fault. Lockouts <laughs> and COVID and sitting out because he caught COVID and. Uh, family issues. I know he he missed uh, he missed a five game stretch a few years ago when his grandpa died. Like the guy just doesn't really get hurt, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Because I saw a stat a while ago that of everyone from his draft class, he has like twenty five hundred more hits than the next closest guy, which is like, like he's literally the most physical superstar in NHL history. It it's it's stupid how much. This guy, logic would tell you should get hurt, and he just doesn't. It's, I don't know. Father time's undefeated, though. Like you gotta wonder, you know, how much more, how much more is there? But I mean, he had an unbelievable season this year, so I don't know. I agree. I uh, I think he's a type of guy too that even if he is at like seventy five percent, you can put him out there for literally just PP one and PP two. Put him oh, in yeah. the spot, and he's gonna be effe- he's gonna he's gonna be effective. You know what I mean? You, you know, you you have to cover him. You have to put coverage on him, even though it doesn't really matter most of the time. Even when you do, uh, you could literally just roll him out there on special teams, like every every single uh, every single game, and 
you know, he'll he'll affect the game in some way, shape, or form. My colleague uh, Kevin Woodley at Ingle Magazine. I'm sure you guys know of him. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a he had a great. I don't know. If, did he put it in a story or did he just tweet it out? But the, he talked to a few goalies about Ovechkin's shot. And the interesting thing was all of the guys said that it curves. His shot actually has a curve to it from his OV spot, which is what actually makes it so difficult to stop. Not the fact that it's coming in lightning fast, but the fact that it actually has like some whip action to it where it, it, yeah. you can actually curve around, which is just when I saw that, it's just how do you stop that? I got I to I I write that down just because I want to clip that because uh, well, well, have you seen, have you seen the toe of his stick? The, the toe it's, of it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's the dumbest looking hockey stick I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. And, and it literally makes absolutely no sense, but it works for him. He, he found some weird mad scientist formula where he was like, oh, I like my blade like this. I remember reading a story from the cup run when Oshi broke his stick. They're both righties and the trainer accidentally, he had broken all of his sticks already on the bench. Funnily enough in the Pittsburgh series, lots of slashes. And uh, he, he, the trainer didn't know what to do. So he just tossed him one of Ovi's and he scored with it. But he was like, I and Oshi's got a pretty good shot, like decent shooter. And he was like, the puck went completely not where I aimed. He was like, I, I have no idea how I put that puck in with OV stick. And he was like, and I, I, they were goofing around in practice the next day. And he put every single puck over the crossbar. He was like, I can't shoot with this. Like it's a golf wedge. It's literally a golf wedge. I'm not surprised that it's got some like fastball dip with it it's the stupidest looking hockey stick i've ever seen that's great that's that's fantastic i uh does he break does he break the great ones record yeah yeah he's he's gonna do it now which is insane given what i just said a couple minutes ago when you consider like hit what would have been his rookie season was wiped out by the big lockout yeah then another half lockout where he lost 46 games or whatever it was then covid missing time because of covid like let's just be generous to him he scored 52 his rookie year as a 20 year old let's give him 45 as a 19 year old i don't think that's outlandish given what he did as a 20 year old let's give him 45 he's got 780 now that would put him at 825 You'd like he right, yeah, but well, potentially, right? It's eight ninety four. Yeah. He's got a touch here, but like he, without missing all that time, and then the half lockout too. Let's give him, I don't know, twenty in in in, in forty six games. Like you're, we're looking at like 840, 850 goals here. Where if that was the case, yeah, next year he's breaking this thing. So it's insane that he's still like within earshot of it. It like it boggles the mind, man. I I don't know. Enjoy it. I'm enjoy. I'm a cap. I'm the biggest Caps fan ever. I I'm just gonna enjoy the ride. It, it's insane that we're able to witness what this guy's doing. We're so lucky, man. Him and Sid, the NHL needed those guys, man. Coming out those, of that lockout, and they delivered. They delivered to have those two guys. Play it, play each other as often as they did. I think that's the best thing that the NHL could could have asked for. The that's the year. thing too, right? Like Gretz and Lemieux. I think would they play each other in the regular season twelve times? Yeah, total. Like that's that's nuts. 
and and mm-hmm. the fact you're right, two generational stars in the same division mm-hmm. worked out pretty okay. Gary Bettman's made a lot of money off of it. Yeah, and now you have new stars like Trevor Zegras, who's just scoring a highlight reel every other night. And He's so fun, yeah. Apparently, and apparently yeah, that's like, bad for the game, though. Can't scale it up like that. It's can't scale it up. Fucking cool. Don't scale it up. Actually, speak like Greg. Do you do you with guys like Zegras doing those, you know, pulling those moves off? Do you have to teach your goalies how to defend that now on the regular? Well, it, it technically should be point. it should be covered with the way we teach it already because yeah. when yeah. you come across, you should have some lift to your shoulder where you can get up to that that top corner. Yeah. If right. you don't have that lift, then it's because well, your foot's not what engaged. About, so what about what about us shorter goalies that are five foot? Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna have to adjust <laughs> the way you, you play those uh, the post play. You might have to stay on your feet. Throw your stick, Wayne. You just Stop have to have really good, ass, bud. <laughs> really good use of your windows over your shoulders and just. As soon as you start to see him go for that lacrosse move, you got to get up and, and cover that yep. corner. It's, it's something we got to think about now. Should I pull Those the Leggio and just drop my stick and just throw it over? Nah, <laughs> throw you your blocker up into the corner. Your socks and your skates. <laughs> get a little lift. Um. Okay. Now uh, transfer over. Obviously, we're just talking about Ovi. Uh, the Panthers Capital Series again. Just uh, if I if I were to predict uh, an upset, at least out of the East. I think this one could be it just because it really depends on the goaltending me for me from the Panthers. You get from the Panthers. If you get regular season, Bob, or are you getting playoff Bob? There's a big difference because playoff Bob isn't, isn't, isn't as good as regular season, Bob. Um, regular I, season I Bob hasn't been that good that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, he, he has, he has not been the same goaltender in the postseason as he is in the regular season. And if that trend continues this season, like last year, I mean, you could be looking at another early exit for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, well, I guess being the resident Caps fan here, I'll offer my two cents to you about it. Like, I'm not super optimistic, given just where the Capitals goaltending is. And Greg, I'm sure you have some thoughts to offer on this. It's very bad. Like, let's just get right down to the bottom of it. And I'm not saying that to be an overreactionary fan or anything. It just is. It's plain and simple bad. In my opinion, it's the worst starting goaltending of any playoff team. Their goalies are awful. I give Vitek Vanacek a bit of a break. I think he's a career backup. Good kid. Like everyone likes him. Samsonov, this guy is Greg. You know, we were talking a little earlier about UPL. This guy has got to decide pretty soon how serious he wants to be an NHL goaltender. How seriously do you actually want to be here? Because the early returns are not good. And this guy came in with one of the highest pedigrees of a young goal, one of the most hyped goalie prospects of maybe of all time, certainly of my lifetime. And when he was in the KHL as a kid, he was putting up ungodly numbers. We're talking like 946 save percentage, 11 shutouts. Like this guy was unbelievable. That's the KHL. This is the NHL with the best players in the world. It's not good. And Florida's a team that can score a lot. And Samsonov has shown that he is good for at least one horrific goal every game that he starts. I don't know that there's a starting goalie in the NHL that loses his goalie stick 
more than him. It's ungodly how bad he is mechanically. Samsonov is frustrating, right? Because he'll make the unbelievable athletic save that he has no business stopping. But he won't stop, you know, a, a clapper from the blue line that he sees clearly. It goes right through him. He doesn't make the ordinary save that you just would go, oh, standard thing, carry Price right into the shoulder, grabbed a hold of it. Nope, it's a big sloppy rebound, and he's way out of position because he overcommits and maybe drops a stick on his way too. However, if he is decent and Bob is Bob, and what you know, you talk about Ovi, you talk about a goaltender who he's got his number, it's Bob. Ovi scores on Bob. And if Tom Wilson can run around and drive people insane and not get suspended and the Caps power play is good, they could beat Florida, but I don't love it simply because you talk about playoff Bob being bad. The two guys on the Caps side of the ledger are not very good either. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Greg. Well, first thing first, I, I do hope Wilson keeps the maimings to a minimum in the series. Yeah. You know, hopefully nice. zero. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the, I, I have to say that the number one, the number one question I received, non-Vancouver question I received this year about goalies has honestly been, what is going on with Samsonov in Washington? I'm it's not been, surprised. It's been a big story. I've been telling people to be patient with him just because he still is extremely young. Yep. Uh, he's had a rough go with the injuries. He had that COVID spell. It just feels like every time he gets a little bit of momentum, he gets knocked back a peg and something p- puts him right back to square one. So for a young goalie like that, I would never cast them off. I know it's frustrating when you, you, you're you in a playoff race now. You need them to be good now, but yeah. he's just not there yet. So it's I get the frustration. But um, uh, the other thing, too, with the KHL numbers, too, be very careful with those. <laughs> uh, yeah. Their stats are very different. And like the league average save percentage has to be over 920. Like it's ridiculous. So a 940 is still very good, even if it is a lot of shots from the outside because they play the wider ice surface and stuff. But it's not as gaudy as, you know, as you think it is. It, it's pretty eye popping when you look at some of the KHL numbers. But uh, uh, I would I would still say be patient with him. I, I'm a big fan of Vanacek. I'm still holding out a, a part of me that um, thinks he can be a starter in the NHL, but I think you're probably right about the backup thing. Uh, Mitch Korn absolutely loved Vitek Vanacek when he was still in Washington. He thought he, he was did. the future. Yeah. Um, but I, I still think Samsonov is the guy. I, I It's tough right now with this playoff series looming because, like I said, he still has some issues to work through. And those, and those little ones that you talk about, like the easy shots, it just comes down to consistency. <laughs> just being consistent with your repetitive movements and, and your positioning um, for a guy as skilled as him, he's going to make those electric saves like we've seen, but it, it really does come down to the little stuff, right? If you want to be consistently top tier, you need to stop all of the basic stuff as well. And I, I, as with most young goalies, there's a lot of, you know, hyperactiveness to his game where he's just, uh, you know, a little bit over aggressive sometimes. And it's just little correctable stuff that I'm seeing. So I'm not too worried about Samsonov uh, in the long run. The series, we'll see how how he fares, uh, mm. depending how things go. Interesting. Uh, we got a we got a Western New York native in the system there in Washington too. Chase Clark uh, from Williamsville, uh, front of the program. He's been on with us. He's uh he's I, I think he is currently playing in with Tri City. I want to yep. say he's with Tri City. 
he's in the system there for Washington. Good kid. Uh, really, really smart. Uh, good hat on his shoulders. Uh, wish him well. They just signed a BCHL guy, too. They did? Yeah. Yeah, they oh, just signed uh, Chase Stevenson out of uh, the Coquitlam Express. He was with uh, Dartmouth. Excuse me. And uh, had a right. great year. And, yeah, he's uh, a guy. He's a great story, too. I don't know if you've read about, about him, uh, Ryan, but uh, – his, uh, he's had a lot of uh, personal struggles over the last little while and yeah. to overcome them to be one of the best goalies to come out of the BCHL in the last couple of years. It's I'm, I'm rooting that he makes it for the, the caps big time. Me too. Really, really good story. Incredibly mentally strong kid, obviously uh, easy, easy story to root for uh, a buddy of mine. Clay Stevenson. Played. I think I called him chase. It's clay, clay Stevenson. Yeah. Clay Stevenson. And he, uh, uh, a buddy of mine that played out in the BCHL, actually Brock Byer, his uh, is is buddies with him um, and has nothing. Former West K Warrior. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, it's and you know what? One of those guys will probably end up turning into a serviceable goalie for somebody if it's not the Caps, because Washington's like weirdly a goalie factory the last few years. Like say say what you will about they should maybe have more than one cup. A lot of disappointments over the years. They draft really, really well. Like Look at Phoenix Copley. Absolutely, man. I still Washington, think he's a serviceable backup. Somewhere. Absolutely he is. He he could be playing in the NHL for somebody. Like Washington's one of the best drafting teams in the league. You put them right up there with the Tampa's, St. Louis. They draft extremely well. Ross Mahoney, he'll be a general manager someday. Just need I to hit on doubt. the big guy, the number one uh, goalie selection. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just got to find that one. I mean, we had it with Holtby for a long time, and yeah. he left, unfortunately, which killed me. But they uh, they draft a lot of players that end up playing for the team. So yeah. uh, Transitioning to another Eastern Conference matchup, we got the Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. Gatesy, we haven't heard you from you in a minute. How yeah. are you feeling about, uh, about this matchup? The hated Bruins, honestly – I mean, I hate the Maple Leafs a lot, but the, the Boston Bruins are really close second. And then I'm just always going to hate the Hurricanes for 05, 06. Um, just yeah. there's absolutely no love loss there for me either. So uh, not a series I particularly care about too much. You know, I'm happy either way, which, whichever team loses. But, uh, you know, it could be a very close matchup between Boston and Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too many Sabres members from when they were good with all the heartbreak, especially with Carolina. I wasn't even born for Dallas. I've really kind of grown onto this Hurricanes team this season. I really like kind of that core they have. I loved Anderson and that, but unfortunately, I've been watching this game a little bit here and there, and Boston's been dominating. They're currently up 14, uh, eight in shots, and Ranta's been playing really well, surprisingly, which is... I, I love anti-Ranta. Agreed. That's going to be huge for them to, to get through the Bruins because the Bruins are just built for, you know, the playoffs. They're a heavy team. You know, they get solid goaltending from Allmark. I think this would be huge for his career as well, like, He's another guy stuck in Buffalo. First playoff, really experienced now. And hopefully, I, I just want a good goaltending duel. I think both these guys can really can really bring it and have been really overlooked a lot of their career. I'm still not over losing Linus Allmark. Not that I really, really wanted to keep him. I think he would have helped a lot this year in Buffalo. I'm just sour that, you know, Buffalo didn't deal him at the deadline when he wouldn't uh, yeah. sign an extension with Buffalo. I think that should – the the it was in the – tea. I, what, what's the saying with the tea leaves? Like, you know, it was – the reading was the writing was on the wall. Yeah, the writing was on the wall. Essentially, uh, read the tea leaves or whatever that he wasn't going to sign with Buffalo. If he wasn't going to sign pre-deadline, he was going to test yeah. free agency. Like I felt, Kevin Adams should have dealt him right then and there and got something for him. And 
I wasn't surprised at all when he tested the market and signed somewhere else, even though I thought, you know, you know, he obviously he would have been a starter here, but he saw the opportunity in Boston and went with it. Even with Swayman there, I thought I felt he probably felt he was probably pretty confident he'd be the number one yeah. uh, going into Boston. But uh, uh, Drury, how are how do you feel about this series? I know uh, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of good playoff uh, playoff games between the Caps and Boston, uh, not just in the regular season but the postseason. Um, I again, I hate Brad Marchand. The only player I honestly respect on that entire team is Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, it's it's an interesting series. I it, and it's a hard it's one of the harder ones to predict, honestly. I think Boston will win in 7 simply because of the question mark around how healthy Freddie Anderson is. Antti Ranta is a solid goalie and he's proven he can be a solid goalie in the NHL, but I just uh, you know, kind of what Gatesy said, you know, it, it's going to take Carolina not getting sucked into the the physical bullying and the after the whistle stuff that the Bruins like to do with you. And we've seen them do it to the Maple Leafs a few times over the years. They can take a team that is unquestionably, in my opinion, more skilled than them. You look down at the Ajos, the Svechnikovs, Tara Vinen, who's got cup experience, um, and a really, really fast, mobile, and and underratedly heavy decor too. <laughs> Brett Pesci can bang and crash. Shea's a big kid. Slavin is one of the most underrated, yep. if not maybe the most underrated player in the NHL. Like Jacob Slavin does not get talked about enough, but you look at the size and the way that the Bruins like to play. Can Carolina, you know, honestly, if they could turn the clock back and get their coach out there with some skates on, this is the type of series Rod the Bod loved to play in. Can Rod he get his so much? <laughs> I know, I know you do, but so he much. he's uh he's a guy that can he get his team to withstand this because you look at the Bruins and Bergeron is still a stud. The guy just doesn't go away. They got big guys like Coyle and Frederick's going to be running around like a madman hammering everything. Can the Hurricanes withstand that type of physical push from the Bruins over what I think will go at least six? I have the Bruins in seven on my bracket. That's the big question. I I really don't know. I think Carolina might be in a little bit of trouble here, but... Um, I don't think I'd be shocked if they won this series either, but I think it goes at least six games. I agree. I uh, I think both both teams can play a little bit of a heavier game. Uh, Carolina very disciplined in their own end. Uh, you know, I and we mentioned we talked about uh, the season Freddie Anderson had uh, with Carolina. You look at you, you look at uh, the the I can never pronounce the name Nadelchovic. Alex Nedeljkovic, yeah. Yeah, I, I cannot pronounce his name for the life of me. <laughs> Just call him Needles. That's Needles, what all the guys yeah, call Ned. him. We'll call him Ned. No, yeah. I want to hear him struggle. Let him say the thing. <laughs> no, man. The season he had <laughs> with, uh, the season he had with Carolina, yeah, I think that system is really built, you know, around <clears throat> building up your goaltender, right? They, they they don't give up a lot of chances. They uh they play a very disciplined defensive style of hockey, but they can also score a lot. You know, they have a lot of offensively talented, gifted players. So I think um, personally for me, I have, I think I picked Carolina coming out of that series in six or seven personally for me. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that. And like, you know, I, I want to throw another name out there too. Like 
Trocheck in that mix. Like they've got a lot of center mm-hmm. depth that's sneaky good. Not like guys outside of Aho from there down. They've got sneaky guys that are just really, really good, like Swiss Army knife players. And he's one of them. I was blown away when Florida traded him a couple years ago. Um, yeah. I, again, like I said, I picked Boston, but it was one of the two hardest series for me to pick on my bracket. I That one in the Minnesota series, I was like, I don't know, flip a coin, I guess. I guess I like Boston. Like, it's uh, I wouldn't be blown away if Carolina if I would be blown away if Carolina went to the cup final. Honestly, I really wouldn't. Kyle Clifford just got a major in a game of misconduct for boarding. If anybody is uh, paying attention, yeah, really was, great start was, for the that Leafs. Was, That's that exactly what they needed. Yeah, right. It was definitely a completely unnecessary hit. Like, I want to see if I can that, that would have been the same call in the regular season. That was just, yeah. I, I want to uh, I want to try and wrap this it up. It was nowhere the duty hit was nowhere near the puck. It was it was no other reason than just I want to slam this dude's face into the glass. It was Colton like, that he hit too. Yeah, a pretty Col- good pretty good little Col- player. And yeah. Colton was pissed. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, that but that but that said I do kind of have Carolina if, if for no other reason uh, the curse of Taylor Hall. Once Taylor Hall is a part of your <laughs> franchise, you are doomed to suffer <laughs> mediocrity and sadness. I hope his uh, chin scar gets a little bit bigger in this series. And uh, yeah, I just think Carolina. I I ultimately think Carolina is just the younger version of what the Bruins have made their bread and butter doing. It's just you know being sneakily good offensively and knowing how to just shut every fucking team down that comes into their building. Mm-hmm. And I just think that there are younger core people doing it. And, you know, I mean, you know, the sneakiness of, you know. And then there's also, like, the Nino Niederreier, the recently acquired Max Domi. Like, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff in a uh, Carolina's tool chest that, uh, yeah, that Kyle, yeah, that Clifford hit was. Uh, I, I just saw it. Just what? What, what are you thinking? For? What for? Literally, literally no point. Oh, yeah, that's 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 a hit that like that's a Tom Wilson hit, man. Honestly, like, oh yeah, that, that was that was some true scumbag shit. That, that I'm a I'm a Caps fan, and and honestly, like that's that's something that four or five years ago Wilson did every third shift. <laughs> like that's a it's, he's not going to get suspended or anything, but. I, I certainly don't think he's going to get suspended. Colton's not hurt. It's just a really dumb play and the complete opposite of what the Leafs need. Like yeah, you're there's first. being physical and then there's just being dumb. And that was dumb. I don't yeah, know why he did that. First seven minutes of the first game. Yeah. Can't do it. Way to set the tone, Kyle. What are you uh-huh. mad about? The fact that your team isn't completing any fucking passes right now. Like, come on. It's you don't need to start. You don't need to pick that on Colton's face. Come on. That's just uh, just to wrap up that Bruins Carolina series. Greg, your thoughts? Well, I would just thinking the whole time that uh, I would be just disappointed if Carolina loses because I like watching Carolina play. Yeah, they're fun. <laughs> they're just a fun team to watch, and to see the Bruins sort of muddle them down would be a disappointment in my eyes. So yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for Carolina big time in that series. No offense to the Bruins fans out there. Transitioning back over oh, the west, we got fans. Kings. The, the Kings. <laughs> Here's an upset I could see coming out of the West. The Kings and the Oilers, just because I mean Mike Smith has been good a lot, but you know, he is 41 years old. 
is he capable of carrying the load for a long playoff run? Um, and the Kings are a team that, you know, has so much, so many playoff games under their belt with that roster. Uh, you know, Dustin Brown, Anzi Kopitar, Dowdy, just the list goes on and on. And, uh, you know, I could see this being another, another upset series uh, out of the West, Kings over the Oilers. I mean, this is the series I think I'm the least excited about to watch. Like, thankfully, it's a 10 p.m. start time. Like, I can maybe watch the first period and crash after that. But I don't know. It just doesn't – like, this L.A. team, I haven't watched a ton of them. But I'm I'm really surprised to see this series go more than, like, five, six games. But maybe maybe they'll surprise me. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 maybe I have a little more faith in L.A. than I should. But I, 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 I know that – you know, the Oilers have Connor McDavid and Leon Drysdale. They have all that firepower. Um, I just think this series is going to be really – goaltending is going to be a really big key factor oh, yeah. for both teams. I feel like the fun factor is really – the potential is really high for that series because it's a little crazy depending on yeah. how it goes. And with the with the guys that they have on Edmonton's side, the goaltending is certainly going to be tested on, on L.A. And Peterson did not have a great season. Quick, obviously, is going to be the starter, but – He's another guy who's up there in age, so you never know, right? And and Smith, same thing. He's going to be giving it his all because this is probably his last kick of the can. So mm-hmm. what's uh, what's it going to be? We'll, yeah, we'll 40, find out pretty 40, quick. The 40-plus-year-old goaltenders, Craig Anderson and uh, Mike Smith, did have pretty good years this year, and I don't think anybody expected Craig, Craig Anderson not just to win game number 300 this season, but to play as well as he did and put up the numbers he did. I believe he had a winning record with Buffalo this year. I want to say that As much as he did. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And he, he didn't miss a lot of time, but I'm pretty sure he had a winning record this year with Buffalo and, you know, much like Linus Olmark, no last year, nobody really expected any Buffalo goaltender to have a winning record this season. Well, Anderson's a pro. So what do you expect? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 17, 12 and two. Yeah. He's he's just a guy who's the, the calling card for Anderson's career has been his ability to adapt. So it, yeah. it doesn't surprise yeah. me at all that he was able to adapt to that environment in, in Buffalo. Buffalo was improved this year, I think. But, uh, yeah, he, he was kind of the perfect veteran for that role where, where you just – he can he can adapt to whatever style you want to play. And there aren't many goalies that are like that out there. He's one of the last surviving few, and it's it's hard not to root for a guy like Andy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's, he stays on his feet. Uh, he's, he still has the ability to stay on his feet and play very well. He's got well. the old school – yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, not, I want to say call it like a hybrid style. Cause he's still, he does still, you know, is a butterfly goaltender, but, uh, I, uh, you, you definitely love seeing a toe save, uh, a toe save or a, uh, a two pad jammer every once in a while you get from Craig Anderson, which is nice. He's not afraid to sell out every once in a while. Isn't he? No, he's not. He's not. <laughs> in Buffalo, you're going to have to every once in a while. <laughs> oh yeah. You I mean, don't take that as a shot either. We already know we've known for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so we have probably most, I, I would say most say we have probably, uh, the Oilers coming out on top in that series in probably five or six games. I just see that as a series that, you know, goaltending is really going to be the big, the big, uh, focal point there. And whichever teams, whichever team's goaltender, uh, plays better is going to come out on top. And I team I, chaos for that series. I want personally, me, chaos. I, if I have to pick between Mike Smith and Kyle or not Kyle quick, um, um, Jonathan, Jonathan quick, sorry. Um, uh, co-host Kyle Quick. That's <laughs> funny. Uh, Johnny Quick. I'm I'm picking Johnny Quick. Yeah, I mean, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I just feel like the Kings are missing Drew Doughty more than they realize. 
I mean, he went out in March with. Oh, a, I think they realize it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like, uh, you know, if uh, one of those two goalies isn't standing on their head, it's just going to be fucking open season for uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. And I also feel like McDavid, like the Oilers in general, just kind of have that like that similar Maple Leafs chip on their shoulder. It's like oh, we have yeah. all this talents. We got to fucking do something with it. Mm-hmm. Like. Like, what was that one stat that was going around? Like, McDavid's had, like, maybe a Baker's dozen playoff games in his entire career. With that yeah. caliber of talent, that's that's low-key criminal. That's yeah. A lo- that's, like, the opposite end of the spectrum of the Arizona Coyotes being permitted to exist as an NHL team playing in a college arena of just grossly negligent hockey moves and just <laughs> – and to that, I just feel like, you know, like the Oilers are going to be playing with like gasoline in their veins to that end. Like they are not <laughs> going to get upset by the Los Angeles Kings who in a, in, to some extent in a similar vein of like the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins of the world. They have incredible core guys that are, you know, coming over the other end of that hill. You know, they were incredible players and they're still playing incredibly but ultimately they're closer to the end of their career than the start. And I guess to expand on that, I I honestly think it would be good for all three of those teams to have first round exits because it will help them have that conversation as a team that, you know, the glory days with this particular core may be over and it might be time to start looking towards a brighter tomorrow with younger guys, because at the end of the day, unfortunately, this is a young man's game. I mean, Buffalo will tell you, the overwhelming majority of the franchise is 25 and under that you want to see succeed. And those are the guys that are succeeding. You know, Jeff Skinner had an incredible year, obviously. And Craig Anderson, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he has 308 career wins, which ties him with the uh, illustrious Tukarask. If I'm not mistaken, I, be- I believe that that's uh, where he currently sits. So if he can get one more start and one more win, if there's one more season, then he's officially better than Tukarask. <laughs> I mean, granted, he played 100 more games to get there, but that's... Wins, the goalie stat that we all know and love. Wins. 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 Yes, yes. <laughs> kind of unbelievable. Yes. Fisher wins, yeah. It, it's kind of unbelievable that they were still able... I mean, granted, he, you know, he was, you know, he is old of age, but that LA was able to squeak into the playoffs even without Drew Doughty, you know, the, the, their biggest leader next to Kopitar. Um, and then... You know, uh, again, I, I if I'm, I just, I have more. I think I just have a, a lot more uh, faith in Quick than I do. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Mike Smith. Just me personally. If I and I think, I think if uh, if it comes down to goaltending, I'm I'm putting all my eggs in the the Johnny Quick basket for sure. Um, <clears throat> gearing over to the final playoff series uh, that we haven't covered yet, the Stars and the Flames. Me personally, I think the Flames take this in five or six games. I think uh, they've had have, had such a phenomenal season. Johnny Hockey has been absolutely electric to watch. Matthew Kachuk absolutely electric to watch. Um, I'm very very you know excited to watch this series uh, with Game One starting um, tomorrow night at 10 p.m. Yep. Uh, very very excited. I, I I think I have the Flames winning this in six games. I think it could be five. To be completely yeah. honest with you. I, I that would truly be the most upsetting upset and all respect to the Dallas stars. They have some incredible players. I'm not going to knock any of the accolades that those individuals have received as individuals, but as a team, 
they do not shine a light to a team as well put together as the Calgary Flames. And I believe that's, you know, why our boy Sutter is uh, the top candidate for Jack Adams. If I'm not mistaken, did he win it? Or have they not awarded that yet? Like, even guys like Andrew Mangiapane uh, in Calgary, who five goals this season. Like- Ridiculous. Calgary, it's and, – and I say this as somebody who truly fucking despises Matthew Kachuk. I can't knock the guy. He's a te- – it's like the same thing that I hate Brad Marchand about. It's not only that you do goon shit that I can't stand. It's also that you're also just so good. Like you could outplay me and then also break my nose in the same play. And I, I low key, I will never, I, I hate it. It just, it drives me absolutely nuts. And I know that deep down in my heart of hearts, if I had a Matthew Kachuk or a Brad Marchand on my team for the whole time, I'd learn to love it. But as an outside observer, I hate those players with a fiery passion. But I still think this, again, I I would be dumbfounded if the Flames found a way to not just bury this one in five. The Flames were one of those high GSAA teams. They were one of the teams that relied on their their number two GSAA goalie this year was Jacob Markstrom. So you get over Vancouver stud. Yeah. So the path to an upset would be Markstrom falters. Maybe Pavelski gets hot. Maybe Ben gets hot. It's not totally out of the equation. Calgary has so many guys they can go to on the offensive side that I think they can probably mask if they start having some issues, but seven game series, like I said, anything could happen. I'm not putting any money down that Dallas can upset them, but uh, the fact that Calgary was second on that GSAA list tells me that Markstrom better be on his game because it's not going to be a walk in the park. Like people are going to make it out to be. Yeah. I made my bracket this morning and uh, somehow Calgary ended up winning it for me. So hopefully uh, the series goes out well. And that would be the bracket buster. If that happens. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. Well, how, how do you feel jury? Well, yeah, it'll be a major bracket buster for me. I have them winning the Stanley Cup, as a matter of fact, and bringing it back north of the border for the first time since those 93 Canadians with some guy named Patrick Waugh in that who uh, they relied very heavily on. Greg, I bet it, uh, if you went back and did some number crunching <laughs> on that 93 season, Patrick Waugh might be like number one by a mm-hmm. landslide. My God, I mean, that run that they went on, uh, eight overtime winners, I believe, uh, you know, they were, I don't know. They were just a team of destiny. Funnily enough, just a gritty team that got it done. Calgary, a little different in that. I would say they're a lot more skilled than that 93 Canadians team was. Yeah. It it's going to take one of Ben or Sagan refinding some of their old form and i think based on what we've seen i can't believe and it it breaks my heart i love jamie ben he's one of my favorite hockey players the wheels look like they're firmly off um i i don't know what's happened to the guy but he looks like a ghost of himself and sagan is almost similar maybe not to the same level of of degradation but you're talking about two guys that have had a lot of injuries last couple of years. Sagan in particular, um, dodgy hips, the shoulder problems from last year. Um, but they've still got weapons. Like Pavelski is just not aging. He had a career year in terms of points with 81. 
Rupe Hintz has emerged as a really solid player for them. Probably going to be their number one center for a long time. Radic Faxa, a former OHL player that I watched play a lot in Kitchener, is a really underrated two-way center. He's just got a lot of bite in his game. And then you're probably looking for someone like Radulov or their young stud in Jason Robertson to step up. And when you look at their back end, too, absolutely. Like, when you look at their back end, too, I don't mind rolling <laughs> Miro Haskinen out there for 26, 27 minutes a night. Um, Essa Lindell had a really solid season for them. Sakara's still got a bit of game. Suter, the old war horse, he just won't go away. And then it really comes like down to what you going to... Yeah, their, their blue line... I don't think their blue line is wildly worse than Calgary's. And I like Calgary's blue line a lot. It's a playoff style blue line. Um, and then you're looking at where's Holtby at. Can Ottinger maybe go in and steal a game or two? It's not out of the question, given that Calgary, like Greg said, relies a lot on Markstrom. But I think the depth of their roster is good enough that they can get by with Markstrom having a bad game where I don't know that Dallas can get by in the same way if their goalies have a bad game. And if this turns into a power play fest, good night. It might be over in four. If Dallas just takes waves of penalties, it's going to be over way quicker than that. I personally think Jake Ottinger has to start. If you're asking me, I, I, I know he probably right. does. I mean, he has to start. I, 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 I think he's, I think he's a good goalie. I think he's a great goaltender. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Greg. Is he a USNTDP product? I know. Yes. He, I know he's. I believe he is. Yeah, Boston College. Yeah. After that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so I'm a big Jake Ottinger fan. Not a Dallas Stars fan, but a big Jake Ottinger fan. <laughs> um, but well, it's guess, crazy. You I'm, mentioned you mentioned Radulov. Did he finish with four goals this year? I just yes, I just he did. Saw I, I was an awful season. What want, happened? It, all the controversy surrounding that guy. Like, is he going to go to the KHL? Is he going to come yeah. here? Uh, I believe he didn't want to play for Lindy Ruff, right? That was another thing too. Uh, just all all the crap that surrounded him uh, throughout his career, you know, defecting back to the KHL. Just like just an absolute disappointment. Yeah, especially mm-hmm. after a season like that, four goals, eighteen assists, and seventy one games. I didn't see that coming good. from him. Yeah, yeah. Rupi Hines, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. Had a great year. Uh, Robertson, they're getting ready to back up the Brinks truck for that kid. <laughs> Uh, I love Pavelski, player. by the way. Can I can I talk about Pavelski for a minute? Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I'm a big Joe Pavelski he, fan as well. He's he's probably my favorite forward, honestly, and he's the blueprint. If you're a forward looking to extend your career into your later years, you you know what he does in the off season is he goes to goalie schools. That's his really? big thing. He he, he goes wow. to a bunch of different goalie schools and he learns what goalies are learning, and it just volunteers as a shooter for a bunch of drills. And tries to find ways to score oh, on his I goals. I thought you were and... saying he suits up. <laughs> he suits <laughs> up. Not... Like, what? No. He goes as a that, skater. That's how, he, that's, how he's treat, that's how he's treating his body? Yeah. He that's just loves, really interesting. Uh, he loves learning the goalie trade. That's he's interesting. Not... And he's a guy, I think, that might be the best puck tipper I've maybe ever seen. Like, yep. the amount of goals he has scored deflecting pucks in three feet off the ice like go on youtube and look up reels of him someone put together a really great reel of like all the goals he scored off tip plays he might be the like cream of the crop in terms of tipping pucks in front of the net 
he's the perfect example, like I said, of a guy as your body starts to deteriorate, your mind doesn't start to really until no. much later in your life. So he just gets smarter and smarter every year and, and finds different ways to fool the goaltenders, which, hey, isn't that what every shooter should be trying to do? I just, I, I'm flabbergasted that more people aren't lining up to be shooters at goalie schools because yeah. what better way to learn to score on goalies than to learn what the goalies are learning? Makes sense. Well, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Like that's really interesting that he does yeah. that. A lot of his goals are shows. just sort of sneaky little plays or little tip, you know, stuff that he knows drives goalies nuts, and Muzzin he has a ton of success one, with it. Muzzin just scored one nothing Toronto. Dude. Wow, they couldn't connect on that five minute major. That's huge for the Leafs. Yeah, yeah. shots were even during that yeah. five minute power play. One shot apiece. Wow, that's Absolutely not good. Wild. I, uh, um. And uh, to answer your uh, question earlier, Gatesy, uh, in the in the in the group chat, uh, Darnell Nurse is a game time decision. I haven't seen. Mm. Uh, I've just looked it up. Uh, still nothing on him. He was the first player out for the morning skate, and it's a second day skating in a row. I think that's going to be a huge factor for uh, for the Oilers tonight as well. Like, He's a tough like, Hamilton boy. He'll play. He'll play. <laughs> you gotta play. You want come playoffs, man. You gotta. You, you get. You gotta. You definitely gotta get it done. Um, but for me, uh. I, again, I, as you said, I'm a big Joe Pavelski fan as well. Uh, always have been. The guy is just, uh, you know, a blueprint, like you said, of what you want uh, in a forward. Just big, plays a tough, heavy game, can score goals, good playmaking ability. Always been a fan of guys like him and Getzlaff. You know what I mean? Like born, you know, uh, born of the same uh, material. I, I, I'm terrible with those sayings. Those cut from the same scenes. cloth, I think, is what. Cut from the same to. cloth, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Very, very like cut from the same cloth. Same similar blueprints. Always been a big fan of players like them, man. That's why we used to be so excited about Eichel, just because of his size and his skating ability. Didn't work out here in Buffalo, but you know, just if I'm gonna build a blueprint of uh, of a, a guy you want to build your franchise around, it's guys like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Aside from the fact that he's American, that's the only downside with Pavelski. Yeah. Uh, yeah. before, before we cut this loose, guys, uh, I do want to ask two more questions to Greg. A, what is uh, you know, what are your predictions next year for your Canucks? Um, I'm a big, I'm a big Canucks fan myself uh, because you know we are expansion brethren. Uh, came into the league the same year, so whenever I'm not rooting for the Sabers, I do root for the Canucks. Uh, you know, friends through this whole process of. Ever since the, the the rant went down with WGR, like I've I've connected with made a lot of connections with Vancouver uh, mm-hmm. fans. Um, the Point Shot podcast over there. We feel like, your pain is what it comes. Yeah, down to. you know what I mean. And yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I've heard a lot of JT Miller talk coming out of, out of Vancouver, a guy that might be available for trade uh, this off season. Um, you know, which it blows my mind that you that you don't want to figure something out with that guy because I think just he's just a winner, man. Like he, he just constantly produces. I think he's in his prime right now. Um, and it, it kind of bugs me that Vancouver might part ways with him, but if they do, I'm, I, I'm personally as a Sabres fan willing to try and make a deal to get that guy in blue and gold, just because I'm a big JT Miller fan. Mm-hmm. And just to, you know, where you see that team going and, uh, you know, I'm a big, uh, Thatcher Demko fan as well. Do you see him being the long-term solution? I know they've I know they've signed him long-term, but is he is he the guy that's gonna really get the, get the Vancouver Canucks uh, back into the playoffs and you know making making any cup runs in the future? 
Well, to start with Demko, they, that deal you talked about is probably one of the most team-friendly deals for yeah. goaltenders that you're going to find in the league. <laughs> yep. Like how they got him on that contract is just a steal, absolute steal. And I've I've long been a fan of Thatcher Demko. You know, I uh, the big turning point for him was in college when he had his hip surgery. He he was having success with a, a damaged hip essentially through the first couple of years of his college career. Then he had the hip surgery. And it was like, he got even better. <laughs> he was, it was incredible to, how he took off. So uh, I have full confidence as long as he stays healthy, that the Canucks have a, have a winner with Thatcher Demko. That's the least of their worries now is their starting goaltending. Uh, mm-hmm. Have some, you know, hopefully with Spencer Martin sign now, they, they have their backup figured out for next season as well. But uh, yeah, the goaltending is uh, we've been, we've been truly uh, blessed here out in Vancouver the last little while, the, the goalie coach is number one that we've had with Rolly Melanson and now Ian Clark again. Uh, they just do such a wonderful job with the goalies here. And, and you see it, you know, the Canucks have been a bit of a pipeline when it comes to goalies, you know, just Eddie Lack, Markstrom guys are constantly coming through and having a lot of success. Um, so I, the goaltending is not a problem for Vancouver. It's, it's everything else. <laughs> and, and this off season is going to be a, a off season of change. And I think that's been the message uh, that all the insiders are saying, and that's what uh, you know the team's message has been that things need to change. And uh, I don't know if they're going to do a lot of blowing up of the roster, but there's going to be some significant names moved in and out of Vancouver this off season. Um, I, I the latest reports are that they are actually trying to work on a deal to bring Miller back uh, on a I don't know how long term they're thinking, but they they are thinking about an extension with Miller. So it's not a guarantee that he's he's gone. Um, clearly a, a major part of this year's team with 99 points on the season i don't think anybody saw that coming. no and he's so you know versatile you know you can you play him yeah. up the middle you can play him on the wing you know no matter where you stick him in with who man he just he just performs no matter who yeah. you throw him out there with defensively he's had you know a few spotlight moments where you know you're gonna get that i think with highly offensive players they're just they're not going to have gas to do things defensively that you'd want them to do. And uh, I think most fans are, are here are, are wanting Miller back. I don't know how you couldn't, um, mm-hmm. but it's tough to say with Rutherford in charge, you know, like he loves to move players. Like that's his calling card, right? When he was with Pittsburgh, he was not shy about trading guys and, and reacquiring guys and all sorts of, you know, movement. I know he's not the GM technically, but you have to feel with a guy like that running the show, he's going to be pushing for a lot of change. And, uh, you know, my big thing going into this season was what's the step that the young players are going to take. Is that enough of a step in order to get Vancouver into the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Pedersen had a really, really rough start of the year. His wrist injury was still bothering him. He had a terrible start to the season, still ended up finishing career high in goals at the end of the year. But I just have to wonder if he didn't get off to that slow start, Vancouver probably makes the playoffs. They're, they they probably yeah. get over the hump this season. So they're close. They have some nice pieces, but I think Vancouver is going to be a team to watch this offseason because you're going to see some, uh, at least with the decor, you're going to see some, some movement for sure. What about Bruce and the coaching staff there? I mean, uh, I do I do have a relative that is on that bench. Uh, shameless family plug for Brad Shaw. Um, <laughs> what do you think, like, Bruce was very popular. I, you know, I, I love Bruce. He helped the resurgence in Washington. It was a shame mm-hmm. he couldn't be there when everything came together. Ultimately still a very popular guy in DC and anywhere that he's coached, like he is the definition of a player's coach. 
And maybe if they make that move a month earlier, they're maybe they're also in. If he comes in sooner, Bruce, there yeah. it is. Like he, <laughs> he really, really turned things around and the guys seem to respond to him. And the thing with Bruce, whether, you know, you can go through all the playoff disappointments that he's had. The furthest he ever went was a Western conference final with Anaheim. Funnily enough with Freddie Anderson in that, um, <laughs> he gets the most out of his offensive players. He gets the most. Ovi, career high with Bruce behind the bench. Backstrom, career high. Lots of those Anaheim guys. Minnesota guys, career years. Pedersen now. Miller. He gets the best out of his best players. So mm -hmm. is the appetite in Vancouver among the fan base and the people you're talking to to have Bruce come back? Yeah, I think uh, the the fan base is completely sold on Bruce. I think uh, the people are saying you'd be crazy not to bring Bruce back, which you look at the numbers and, you know, he, he did wane a bit down the stretch when you look at the, the wins and losses, but his full picture of the season, you know, it's night and day compared to pre-Bruce and, and after they brought him in. So mm -hmm. uh, the, the, it's funny, actually, the narrative now is uh, that Bruce might be what's holding up negotiations and what he might be weighing his options, what he wants to do because you look at the uh, the potential landscape for coaching changes this offseason in the NHL, there's some potential high-ticket opportunities that are going to be out there. Uh, possibly Toronto, his home you know, area that he's from. You know, you'd love to go back to Ontario if you had the option. Uh, he's got his old pal, George McPhee, running things in Vegas. And we all saw how their season ended with their coach and, and their situation. So... The the latest is actually, you know, what is Bruce thinking? Is he actually the one that's holding negotiations up because he wants to weigh all of his options? He's talked in the media about how much he's loved Vancouver, but uh, until the name is on the dotted line, I'm not going to say that for sure Bruce Rudrow is going to be back with Vancouver. I think the fans and the organization are definitely open to it, but I think for me it comes down to what, is, what does Bruce want to do at the end of the day? I've always been a Bruce fan. I'm in love with his constipated face when you never really understand his emotions and what he's feeling at the time. When he gets furnace face, man. <laughs> he gets furnace face like yeah. nobody else. I yeah, love Bruce, yeah. man. I, I'm, a, I'm a Bruce guy. Uh, next question for you, too, uh, for Greg, is what do you think about the Buffalo Sabres and the way they close out their season under Don Granado? You know, not many expected this. I mean, many expected them to miss the playoffs, but – I think in the second half of the season, especially post-All-Star break, they were one of the best teams in the league, at least in the East, man. They had a lot of highlighted games against Vegas, against Toronto, uh, you know, just to name, just name those two. But they've, mm -hmm. they they had, they had uh, I believe, wins against Steve Curry. No, they, they, no, they didn't, never beat Florida, right? They beat Carolina. They beat, they beat a very large amount of playoff teams in, mm -hmm. the, in the stretch. They did. Uh, handily, too. Yeah, uh, no, they never beat Florida though. Florida, Florida, Florida beat everybody. Way too much offensive power for uh, a less than perfect goaltending situation in Buffalo mm -hmm. is the nicest way I can say it to uh, withstand. Uh, funny they they couldn't they couldn't stop Huberdo. Although you know, worth noting that. Uh, the one time that Edmonton came to town, uh, Connor McDavid was kept off the scoreboard. That's true. By, uh, by a young man by the name of Dylan Cousins. No big fucking deal. Oh, just kidding. Huge deal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Leon Dreisel made it on the scoreboard twice, but yeah. But it's not one, it's the other. Our Buffalo Sabres in Buffalo, Greg. 
Yeah, the Buffalo Sabres, they, they looked like there was some real progress this year. It looked like uh, the, the team actually took a step forward. I don't know how much of that is the strictly the Dahlien effect <laughs> or if it was actual team improvement. But uh, yeah, I, I think I, I I really like what the, the Sabres have done with the how they've shaped up that organization, um, bringing in guys that want to be there and guys that are, are playing hard for the team. And I think that was the biggest thing with them is for so many years, it was just, the feeling of uh, malaise around the organization, you know, people that actually want to turn this team around. You look at every quote that's in the media from Alex Tuck. It's just, you know, he's so thrilled to be there. Absolutely. And, and that's the kind of person, like I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm more on the analytics side than the, the emotional side, but at the end of the day, I've been a part of enough teams to know you need guys like that in your organization to propel it forward because otherwise it's just a it's a cycle of negativity and and a downward spiral and and we've seen that with the sabers um you know how many years has it been now since the playoffs i don't want to open any i just want to say that i preemptively there you go when i bought my heritage clash of tuck jersey preemptively because i already know what's coming (laughs) yeah i want to be the first one to say i had the tuck captain's uh, All right, I, I picked a good player to uh, to promote then, uh, the guy that you like. But <laughs> yes. yeah, I, I honestly, it's it's the first year that I've looked at Buffalo and been like, oh, okay, like there's something brewing here. Uh, like I said earlier, it, it's still the goaltending needs to be sorted out. Uh, whether you go out and get a free agent guy or draft and develop your own, something needs to happen or or acquire a big name prospect, somebody that has a future because that's that's really the biggest thing, the biggest question mark when you look at the Buffalo Sabers roster to me. Uh, in the future, and, and it remains for the last decade, <laughs> who's going to be in the crease? And they still yeah. need to figure that out. Yeah, I mean, we do have those two pretty uh, impressive prospects in the in the works of uh, Portillo and Levi, yes. but both of them are going back to the college system next yeah. year. So unfortunately, when you have two guys like that, you can't spend this summer drafting yet another goalie prospect because that lets you could. Them- Maybe we're <laughs> not serious about them, and then they can go. Well, okay, fuck you too. Then I guess I'll just try free agency. I, I, I think, I think, I think you shore up any holes you might have, both in the NHL and, and the AHL. Uh, really fill fill up your farm, and then if you yeah. want to address the goal, I, I personally, I'm for drafting a goaltender every draft. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. a big fan of drafting them in the first round unless there's one that just stands out above the refs, like mm-hmm. a Shesterskin. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's something definitely uh, teams are should be more willing to do if they if you need a goaltender and there is a high quality somebody your scouts are telling you is a slam dunk starting goalie in the NHL. As much as people like to point out to the one or two main examples of goalies that were drafted and didn't pan out, most of the time they pan out, and you need to you need to spend capital on your goaltending. Teams refuse to do it, but I've long been the proponent of. If if a guy is good enough in the draft and he's available, just take him. Don't don't waste your time or don't don't hope he's there in the second round. Just do it. Get the goalie and 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 run. <laughs> because uh, you look at Vasilevsky as, as my prime example, a first round pick, guy that they went after, targeted in the draft, took him in the first round because they knew like there's certain goalies you just know are, are going to be stars and um, teams teams shouldn't shy away from that. As much as they you do, can never have too many goalie prospects. You could never have too many centers. You heard that's me. the other thing I was going to say. I'm a big proponent of the stockpile mentality. Just get as many highly skilled, high ceiling guys in your system as you can. Yeah, and you know, just hope hope one of them pans out. <laughs> Essentially, we got Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka, 
Matias Samuelson, uh, just to name the, the top three off the top of my mind. Um, Peyton Krebs, oh, I mean, come on. Well, I'm talking about like you know, bona fide guys that are on the roster on the roster next year, like Quinn and Paterka. Are really, really, oh yeah, really absolutely. without question. Uh, you know, but you know, you look at the youth movement uh, in Buffalo between Power. You know, you would expect Paterka to possibly break into this roster next season more than a point per per game player in the AHL. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Jack Quinn's going to, you know, be here next year, maybe even contend for rookie of the year in the NHL next year after winning AHL rookie of the year this year. Uh, And then, but I'm after seeing UPL get hurt once again, uh, you know, the other night, I'm just, I'm not saying I'm, you have to do away with him, but. For me, I, I am just much more comfortable going to find two guys in the offseason and make them battle it out in training camp because I just I just don't have faith that this guy's going to be able to play a full season, let alone 30 games. Might be an unpopular opinion, but just based on that Star Spangled Banner, I think Malcolm C. Vander ends up another year. Even if, we just, <laughs> that, right? even if we just keep him in Rochester, I think having a guy like that around is worth it's weight in gold. If he's just a good locker room guy that you can pay a million bucks to, fuck yeah. You know, I think Malcolm Subban's another one of those guys where it's like he's just had a bad rep because he just keeps getting injured. The guy's made a glass, and he just – he never gets to find his footing. And, you know, I mean – Well, it's partly the way he plays too, which yeah. leads to those yeah. injuries. Greg, yeah, I mean, did you, did you, perfectly candid. Buffalo can't be picky right now. Greg, did you see Malcolm <laughs> Subban sing, sing the Star Spangled Banner? I did. I played it on my show this morning. Was, <laughs> it was absolutely it's actually, electric. It's actually an awesome story, right? Because of the, the crushed larynx that he had yeah. in the AHL. Yeah. Doctors yep. told him he wouldn't sing ever again. And like, how does that not uh, warm your heart when you, <laughs> oh, you see dear. something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Is he a guy that could be a, an admir- uh, a reliable backup in the NHL next year? I, I really like Malcolm Subban as a goalie. I've, I've been high on him for a long time. He does play a very uh, sort of Anderson style where it's it's a little all for nothing sometimes, or all or nothing sometimes, and uh, it can be a little scary. But I think uh, as long as he's not your starting goalie, 100%. You know, he, probably had to have him. he probably had save of the year this year at that behind yeah. the back glove save. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. He can go on a run, right? And that's that's what you want from your backup a guy that, hey, if we need to rely on him for a month here, we're not going to be totally without a paddle. He, he's capable of doing that. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let let's let him get comfy and cozy in the AHL, and then uh, you know, come like November, December, if we want to call him up for a couple weeks, because uh, whatever stopgap, ideally under the age of thirty-five, free agent goaltender we pick up uh, needs a rest. Give him a rest. But for the love of God, like I like I don't want Buffalo to like scoop up Halak because he's going to be available next year or something like. Mm-hmm. And no, you know. It, I, I feel like we got very lucky with Craig Anderson, but that could have just just as easily been exactly what everybody expected. Just woof, big woof. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm so thankful yeah. it wasn't, obviously. I mean, you know, clearly he's like a wonderful presence in the locker room and also just putting up great numbers, just knows exactly where he needs to be. You know, 99% of the time, it's great. But that could have just as easily been, oh, right, I'm 40 years old. <laughs> oh, that hurt. Oh, that's just going to hurt for six months. Mm-hmm. See ya. I think uh, piggybacking off Greg, I, I think that Buffalo is a team that's really on the brink, really at that crossroads. You either go left or right. And I think that next season, in the, especially this offseason, see some of the moves that Kevin Adams has made. Um, I think that, you know, the decisions he'll make, at least through trade or free. Cause I don't think they're using all three first round picks. I think they're going to, 
I think they're going to trade at least at least one, if not two of them, to get better in the, uh, next season. Uh, maybe use utilize one of them to get a legitimate bona fide starting goaltender. I personally, I don't think you need to trade a first to get a starting goaltender, but that's just me. Um, I think that you know the moves he'll make could really make them a fringe playoff team next year. I think everything's in place. The culture's in place. I think the blue line is going to be, you know, worlds better with the addition of Owen Power. You've seen what Matias Samuelson's done this season and how well he's, you know, kind of been a calmness on the blue line. I think they expect to play him with Darlene next year because they've showed a lot of good things in that final stretch of games. Um, Yoki, how are you still a question mark for me? I like him, but he gets streaky at times. So maybe they look for another solution there in their top four. And maybe Yoki, Yo Joker slides down to the, bot, the, the, the bottom pairing. But I like what I see out of their blue line. Um, it's hard to find a better leader right now than Alex Tuck, especially when you're traded away from a, you know an early preseason cup favorite in the Vegas Golden Knights, and you come to Buffalo and you have that big of a smile on your face ear to ear. Um, I mean, right then and there, you knew the culture was going to change the second that guy really implemented himself into that locker room. And then you saw the resurgence of Tage Thompson. Uh, Dylan Cousins made strides this year. Jeff Skinner had a, you know, got away from Ralph Kruger for a year and look what happens playing in your top six. And the guy scores 30, almost 35 goals. Um, wasn't in the Ralph Kruger doghouse year. Gatesy. I, I know we have, again, we haven't heard from you in a second. Just any closing thoughts from you on the Buffalo Sabres piggyback on what Greg had to say. I mean, it's definitely this off season's kind of a huge kind of idea on where the organization's heads at. I think for the fans, they're thinking this next season can be a big time for this team to go on a run, maybe sneak their way into a wild card spot, but that won't come with uh, unless there's support from the organization. They need that help in that just a nice little security. Like we saw this year when they had a solid goaltender in net and they're playing well, this team was winning games. So it comes down to that, this team maturing. They just seem to be ready for September to start already and to get back on the ice together and see what happens. It's just a good core really excited i think you're gonna see a lot of these players stick around in buffalo just to yeah. stay with each other mm-hmm. i really do um any uh, any final thoughts boys before we sign off here uh you know slow start to the playoffs and we only have two games on the slate right now but only one goal in about i'd say nearly 40 minutes of play from jake muzzin of the toronto maple Leafs. i don't know if you guys saw the goal but you know definition of a puck has eyes that got back by that got by vasileski uh any closing thoughts here heading into uh you know the first night of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Best time of year. Yeah. Best time <laughs> of year in all, in all sports, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm a big baseball guy too. So the, the crossover yes. between hockey playoffs and baseball is just like every night is sports night. It's awesome. Go Blue Jays. Go Blue Jays. <laughs> well, boys, with that being said, Greg, I just want to thank you for coming on with us. Appreciate you uh, hanging in there with us for the last hour and a half. Uh, you know, be, you know, to cover each series, goaltending, getting a really in-depth look from uh, Gregory Ballack from uh, Sportsnet and In Goal Magazine. If you want to find him, uh, I believe it's uh, at uh, Greg Ballack, if I'm correct. Yeah, E-A-L-L-O-C-H. Uh, Greg Ballack on Twitter, at In Goal Media, at Sportsnet650 on Twitter. Um, catch anything that guy has to say. All of his content is great. Uh, and I hope we can have you on again soon. Uh, talk more goaltending, well, especially when Kali's out with us, because uh, he loves uh, episodes like this. We'll really get into the nitty gritty of the of goaltending. Um, and he, you know, I, I I know I know as much as there is to know about the position, but he is much better at articulating it than me. 
I can just talk shop night and day, but like that guy can just really articulate his words. I I, I definitely want to get the three of us on a podcast uh, sooner rather than later. If you're ever at the time, yeah. Greg. Yeah, I love talking goalies anytime. And uh, I try not to get too technical sometimes when we talk about it, but uh, <laughs> it's always fun to dive in and, and go uh, deep into goalie talk every once in a yep. while. All right, cool. so Buffalo uh, picks up Vili Husso in the off season. That's when you're going to come That's, back, right? If that, so, if St. Louis lets him lets him slide away, depending on how well he plays here in the playoffs. But hope it's not he Bennington. Is, he is. He. I don't want Bennington. No, not in this locker room. Absolutely not. We have good. We have good things going in the right direction with our culture. We don't need to add that that to it. Sorry. Keep but no. it positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, with that being said, guys, it's been episode 98, inching closer to episode 100. Of two goalies, one Mike hitting that century mark. Uh, didn't can't believe we made it this far, honestly. Um, but uh, thanks again, Greg, for hopping on with us again. Find him at at Greg Ballack on Twitter at Ingle Media or at Sportsnet six fifty. Ryan, always a pleasure, bud. Returning co-host for us at Gatesy thirty five. At I don't even know how to fucking pronounce your uh, your handle, Steve. I'm sorry, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> you don't you don't watch community you're not familiar with the episode no i i know i know i i we've talked before but i'm not gonna try. come on now yeah it's not that hard <laughs> but uh producer steve thanks for hopping on with us for our nhl playoff preview uh again this has been brought to you by outlet liquor the place to buy a case over on georgeman boulevard and we will talk to you next week see you guys later Hey everybody, this is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now you might be thinking, hey Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we bring in coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwreckSports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports marianne iveson from iveson voice and the let's take this outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.